morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm joined in the studio this morning by my lovely wife, Debbie. And we want to talk today about a subject that is, uh, it affects all of us. It's a subject that many people don't like to talk about, uh, but it's a subject that we desperately need to talk about, and it's the subject of death. Uh, I was asked one time, this was a few years ago, somebody said, uh, Jeff, would you rather do, as a pastor, would you rather do a, a wedding or would you rather do a funeral? And I was standing next to a friend of mine. He jumped in and answered that question. And he said, oh, for me, it would be a wedding. I like to do weddings. Weddings are joyous, <clears throat> happy celebrations, and uh, funerals are not. And so he said, mine would be a wedding, hands down. And I said, well, I may be weird, but yes, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> mine is definitely a funeral. Between a wedding and a funeral, I would much rather do a funeral. And, and this is the reason why. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, Solomon says this, A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. Why is that, Solomon? Because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. We need to take to heart the fact that one out of one person dies. Uh, death is something that none of us, unless your name is Enoch, unless your name is Elijah, none of us escape death. And if the Lord tarries his coming, everyone listening to me today, a hundred years from now, we're going to all be dead. And then what happens after that? And listen, uh, I did a funeral on Saturday, and I have another one pending uh, if you listen to the program on Friday, my dear friend, Dr. Mark Barhorst and his son Clayton were on the program, and Mark was sharing about his salvation experience, very dramatic, very exciting, and how God used Clayton and his prayers and fasting for his dad to, to open his dad's eyes to the truth. But Mark is in the, the last days of his life, and um, we got to talk to him uh, just uh, just on Saturday, FaceTimed with him, and, and he has gone down so much since we, we uh, taped the broadcast, and so uh, we know that it's coming soon for him. And Debbie, you've been talking to his wife, Rhonda, about what's going on. and Right. Um, he, he had a pretty rough night last night, and, um, you know, everything's just kind of starting to shut down in his body, and we're praying that that God would just be merciful and take him quickly so that he doesn't have to suffer um, for a prolonged period of time. But but there is just that inevitability that that's coming. And I think for for so many of us, intellectually, we know that. But, but we look at our lives and we think, oh, but that's years and years down the road. And it takes a, a death of a dear loved one that's very, very close to us for our own mortality to kind of slap us in the face just a little bit. I know I was very young when both of my parents died. My mom died when I was 32. My dad died when I was 39. And that really brought home um, to me just how short life on this earth is. My mom was only 54 when she passed away. And um, I remember thinking, wow, you know, now that I'm 
we don't want to know. But now that I'm past that 54 mark, you just think, wow, what a short time, because it all goes by so quickly. This life on this earth can go by so quickly. And just to remember that this is truly a temporary home for us and that death is is coming for all of us. It is an inevitable thing that is going to happen. And um, to just keep that in the forefront of our minds and live like that. You know, I've, I've been reading in Ecclesiastes too. It was interesting that you you chose that verse in chapter seven, but I was reading just this morning in chapter eight and verse eight says this, that none of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. We just don't have that kind of power to prevent that. And, you know, we can do stupid things to, to make that come, come quicker, right. right? We can make right. bad choices and, and make bad health decisions or whatever. Um, but ultimately, God is the giver of life and he's the taker of life, you know. And so it, it's coming for all of us. Well, I still remember watching Jack LaLanne. Back in the day, Jack oh, LaLanne. The well, Jack LaLanne back in the 50s, he was like the first guy that did, you know, a, a all the health, fitness. fitness and stuff. And he was big into just doing things, you know, dips on a chair and sit ups and push ups. And he was incredibly fit and very, very strong. Little guy, but very strong. I think Jack LaLanne was only like five, six. But he did all this stuff, didn't didn't eat uh, any sugar, any foods with sugar. Everything was just natural. And I, I think he had that kind of diet for the last 50, 60 years of his life, um, fruits and vegetables. Well, you know what? At he, the age of 96, he died. Uh, it, do, it doesn't matter. Um, in, in the in the long run, in the in the you know the the bird's eye look, no matter what you do, you can't stave off death. You're not going to live to be 400 years old. And uh, Jack Lalanne had a healthy life, but he died at at 96. Well, look at Lazarus in the Bible, right? I mean, he dies. Jesus resurrects him, but he still dies. He dies again. He dies again, right? right. And so, yeah, it, it, it's just coming for all of us. Well, I, I think about the story in Luke, the parable Jesus told in Luke about the guy that built the bigger barns. I have many goods uh, stored up for many years, he said. Uh, I'm going to take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry was his attitude. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? We don't know when God is going to say, that's, that's it. That's, uh, your lease on life is up. And uh, we have to live prepared. And we have to know that only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Debbie, I had told you I got called to the home of a, a man who was in the last hours of his life. I, I literally got there Thursday afternoon, and uh, within two hours he had died. When I came to his bedside, he was dealing with cancer and just in the last, you know, the last hours of cancer, he had lost uh, over 100 pounds. He was down to about 90 pounds. I was shocked that anybody could be alive that looked like he looked. And uh, he was there with his wife and his daughter and his mother, and they were all loving on him. And, um, you know, it was just like, wow, he was only 51 years old. Um, and I asked his wife, I said, where is he spiritually? And she said, about a month ago, when he was still able and, you know, his mental faculties and everything were still good, he, he got down on his knees and he cried out to the Lord to forgive him and save him and uh, change him. And she said, uh, I have that, 
you know, that I can take with me uh, in the days ahead, that he had really uh, surrendered his life to the Lord. That changes everything when someone is facing death. Right. And I, I think, too, back to to Mark's testimony on Friday. And, you know, Mark, more than anything, once wanted his life to count. He wanted to be a, a witness for Christ and for his life to impact others, not so that he would get the glory, but but so that others would be drawn to Christ because of, of the life that he lived. And, you know, I, I was telling you earlier in the week, I said, I, I think Mark has been hanging on waiting to be able to do this interview because that was so important to him because he so wanted his life to count and to know that um, his life made a difference. And I think that's a real message to all of us because we all need to live with eternity in sight, and we all need to live in such a way that our life counts. And it counts not so that we get accolades, but it counts to bring glory and honor to the Lord and to bring other people into the kingdom. Well, if you missed the uh, the interview that we did uh, that aired on Friday with Dr. Mark Barhorst and his son Clayton, who's also a medical doctor, uh, you can go to AFR.net and go to podcasts, Real Truth for Today, and you can listen to that. It is a powerful story of how God brought a very uh, successful, uh, prideful man to the point of brokenness, and he did it through difficulties in his life. Right. Mark was going through difficulties in his marriage, severe difficulties in his marriage, and then he had a stroke. And then through all of that, uh, God broke through, and, and he really saw you know, I know a lot about Jesus, but Jesus needs to be real in my life. You know, we, we have a prayer lunch um, every couple of months for the ladies at our church. And this last Thursday, we had another prayer lunch. And the the topic that we discussed in terms of leading the ladies to prayer was Jonah's prayer in Jonah chapter 2. And as I was leading part of that discussion, I was talking to the ladies about the fact that it was in the belly of the beast that Jonah had his turnaround. You know, he had been running from the Lord. The Lord had told him to go preach to Nineveh yet 40 days, and, you know, you're going to be destroyed. He refused to do that. He went 500 miles in the opposite direction, um, going to Joppa, and he ends up in the belly of the beast. But it was in that belly of the beast— that he got his life right with the Lord. And um, one of the commentaries that I was reading talked about the fact that, you know, Jonah at that point, he's in the belly. He doesn't know the end of his story, right? He doesn't. Well, he, he, yeah, he, he thinks doesn't, that's the end. He thinks that's <laughs> the end. And so he doesn't see, okay, hey, God is being merciful to you. He's giving you this opportunity in the belly of the beast to get right with him. And, and I, I think about that in, in just in terms of so many people that we know, family members, prodigal children that we may have, that God in his mercy allows people to be in the belly of the beast so that they can get their lives and their hearts right. And at the time they're in it, God's mercy doesn't necessarily always look to us to be mercy, but God is a merciful God, and he is um in all control of everything, and he uses all things. He works all things together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. And so I think about that even with Mark's life where it's like, you know, when he had that stroke, did that look like the mercy of God? No, it did not. Did it end up being merciful of God because it brought him to a place of repentance and salvation? 
yes, yes, it did. Well, you know, it's interesting when when you're going through a difficult time, a really difficult time. So, you know, we have bad days, and then you can have a a stroke that changes your whole life. That that's more than a bad day. And so, when we talk about uh, quote unquote the belly of the beast, that's when you're really going through a, a life changing. Okay, this is disaster has struck me. I've been reading through the book of Job. We're reading through uh, the Old Testament uh, as a a church. We did the New Testament in 90 days. Now we're doing uh, the Pentateuch uh, Plus in 90 days. And I was reading about Job, and Job's whole life fell apart, and it was in in turmoil for— It fell apart quickly. fell apart quickly. He's in turmoil for months. He he says, the lowest of the low spit in my face. Job was the guy— in the land of Uz, um, wherever that is, not Oz, but Uz. Anyway, and he says this, this is Job 19, verse 6, Know then that God has wronged me and has closed his net around me. That's what he says to his friends. Now, that's a, he doesn't, he didn't um, blame God, but he he was saying, hey, I there's not sin in my life. There's not a reason that God has done this that I can I can know, and God hasn't told me, and there wasn't anything in Job's life. This was a test of Job's faith, and I wrote in my Bible, uh, uh uh-oh, you know, you're getting close to the edge there, Job, when you say, know that God has wronged me and has closed his net around me. But Job finishes the book when the Lord reveals to Job what is going on, and uh, Job says uh, at the end of the book, he said, I declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know, and I repent in dust and ashes. God, who am I to question you? Who am I to to uh, wonder aloud uh, what you're doing? My job is just to trust you. And so in life, and it's hard to do, but in life, it really boils down to, can I trust God? And the answer is yes, you can. And the reason I can trust God is because truly He is good, truly His loving kindness is everlasting. And God works all things together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. You're listening to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm joined by my wife, Debbie. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a preborn center where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're going to get through it, and it's going to be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. To find out more about the ministry of Preborn, visit them online at preborn.com. Again, that's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Your love can save a life. 
Why is religious speech one of the few forms of speech under attack in America? Officials in Michigan forbade the class valedictorian from referencing God in her speech. Legal counsel restored her rights. The First Amendment guarantees citizens that government shall not prohibit the free exercise of religion. Thomas Jefferson said the constitutional freedom of religion is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Can you imagine the Iranians? You think they're not listening to our news media? You think they're not absorbing what's being said and coloring their response based on American media? Of course they are. I've never seen more blatant, really, treason in my life than we're seeing from media and from Democrats on the left. Honestly, this is unbelievable, inexcusable, and should be punished. But then it seems like we live in an age where justice just never seems to be done. Listen to Sandy Rios weekday mornings at 7 Central on American Family Radio. So there's this couple named Kyle and Katie, and they were excited. They're expecting their third child. And then they got some really bad news. Their unborn baby desperately needed surgery in utero. They had switched the way they pay their health care bills from health insurance to MediShare. So they were wondering, is this going to work? It's a life, and it's my son's life. And, you know, we should all be doing anything we can for that. Kyle knew they were looking at a mountain of medical bills. And of that, I had to pay almost nothing. We felt like MediShare was rallying behind us, almost like family. MediShare is a community of Christians who care about people like Kyle and Katie and little Liam, who is now a happy little boy who loves to play outside with his brother and sister. You know, Liam's around because of that. We'll always remember. Find out how you can save $500 a month or more on your health care. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. My wife, Debbie, and I were talking about the taboo subject of death. Uh, it is appointed unto man, the Bible says, once to die, Hebrews 9:27, once to die, and then comes judgment. There is no such thing as reincarnation. Uh, once you die, you're going to face God. Uh, it's kind of like uh, an old joke I heard uh, the hippie had put on his tombstone, uh, please don't dig me, I'm really gone. Once you die, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. And so we need to be ready for death. We need to be ready for death spiritually. We need to be ready for death in our relationships with our loved ones so that uh, if we were to die today, that we know uh, our kids know, our spouse knows, our parents know, our friends know, that we love them, uh, that we have mended broken relationships, and that uh, we are uh, at any moment, if the Lord should call us home, we're ready to go. Well, you know, Jeff, it's interesting that you should should bring that up because early last week I was talking to Rhonda, Mark's wife, and I told her, I said, you know, one of my prayers for you is that you will be able to say everything you need to say to Mark before God takes him home. And it was so funny and just her style, but she said, I do that every day, even before this. I make sure I tell everybody 
every day multiple times how much I love him. And she does. I mean, she, yeah. that is not an, an exaggeration uh, by any stretch of the imagination with her. But it is so important that we keep um, we keep those relationships good. I remember when my mom passed away, I had that peace knowing that between she and I, there was no... Um, nothing left unsaid. There was no uh, tension between us. There was none of those things that could have um, given me a lot of regret later Mm -hmm. in life as I looked back. And that again was the mercy of God. That was just God's mercy that enabled that to take place. And that is so important that we do that. Well, you know what else is important? And we've been talking about this as we as we kind of walk through this situation with our dear friend Mark Barhorst, and uh, we're so close to his family, and we love them, we're praying for them, is uh, for the person that's dying and for his family to say, hey, it's okay to go. Right. Um, because they they fight for life and fight to stay on. And, and um, you know, we, we don't want to see our loved ones, especially when they're believers in Jesus, we know, hey, I tell people this often, you're getting ready to have the greatest promotion of your life. And if you're listening today and uh, you've gone up in years and you feel like, you know, my mom is 93. Right. um, Sometimes she wonders, why am I still here? And, um, you know, you kind of feel like I don't have much purpose anymore. I can't do like I used to do. And I'm kind of maybe I'm in a nursing home or maybe I'm at home, but I just can't get out and do things. And, uh, you know, what, what is my purpose? Hey, here's the thing. The future is bright because you're, you're getting close to meeting the Lord, so close to meeting the Lord. Now we don't know my mom, I could die before my mom, even though she's 93 and I'm 59, Mm -hmm. I could die before she dies. Um, but for an older person to remember, Hey, the best is yet to be. Well, I think too, you know, so often there's so much fear that's associated with death and it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of all these different things. And, you know, if you don't know where your eternity is going to be established, death is very scary. But as a believer, you know that you know that you know where your eternity is, that your eternity is secure. Now, you don't know all the ins and outs of heaven. You don't know what all of that's going to be like, but you trust the one who bled and died for you that is preparing a place for you because he promised that he's going to do that. So it's not necessarily the fear of being dead, but we can still have a fear of, oh gosh, what do we have to go through in order to die? That that can be scary as well. And so, you know, there's, there's just a lot of different emotions that go along with that. And, and watching a loved one uh, fade away and, and uh, deteriorate before your eyes, that's, that's a hard thing to watch. Right. Even when you do, in fact, know where they're going to be going and where they're going to be spending their eternity and that it is just a short a short separation that you're going to have with them. Um, but it but it is still very hard to watch. And I remember when I was going through that with my mom um, and, and my dad both, it the, the thing that ministered to me so much was just the comfort of presence, of, of people just being there with me. Right. Now, they didn't have to say a lot. I just think back to Job that you were just talking about. You know, his friends started just to get on his very last nerve, (laughs) you know, and he even told him, hey, when you were first here and you were just here and not talking, you really comforted me. 
But when you started opening your mouth and saying a lot, you started driving me crazy, (laughs) basically, you know. And so just that comfort of presence and being there with someone that that's such a gift that you can give to someone that's walking through that path. Well, so it is um, it is so critical that a person knows that they belong to Jesus, that their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I heard Adrian Rogers say this one time, and um, I think that's just chalked full of truth. He said, I've never seen a Christian afraid to die because they know where they're going, but I've seen a Christian ashamed to die Ooh. because they haven't been living for the Savior like they knew they should have been. Uh, the Bible says this, 1 John two twenty eight. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears at the rapture, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Uh, you know, if, if you think about the, the return of the Lord, we don't know when that's going to be. He's coming in the clouds at the last trump in a moment in the twinkling of an eye that's just bam just that he's here and uh if you and i aren't abiding in him if we're doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing we we are at a place where we shouldn't be we're in participating in an activity whatever that might be that is dishonoring to the lord and he comes back at that moment mm. how awful would that be when faith turns to sight and you see the lord and uh, you're going to have that look of wounded love that Peter had right. when he denied him. Now, that doesn't mean you don't belong to him, but, man, you're going to shrink back in shame at his coming. We don't want to do that. We want to be anticipating his return. We want to be busy about the, the Father's business, and we want to be abiding in the Lord. Uh, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But the reverse is, but with me, you can do all things, and everything that the Lord wants us to do, we can do that as we abide in him and we let his power and his grace flow through us. And so something to consider for all of us, hey, do you know for certain that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? And do you know for certain that if Jesus were to come back right now, you would be excited and you wouldn't shrink back in shame at his coming? Well, another thing that comes to mind so often, Jeff, is, and, and you've, you've seen this before, but what about those deathbed professions of faith? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I think so often those kind of things, I do believe that they do happen. And I, I think if with your last breath, if someone cries out in repentance to the Lord, he hears them and he receives that. Right. Um, and so I know even like at your dad's death, you— you were like, oh, you know, did, has he really made that decision? Has he really done that? And we had evidences along the way that he truly had done that. But speak to people that have maybe had that experience where a loved one has died and, you know, maybe they're not 100% sure. They they thought that they were a, a believer. How, how do you help someone walk through something like that? Well, I think about the verse— uh, the Lord knows those who are his. And so uh, sometimes, you know, we cannot, be, it's like, I don't know if that person was or not. And that can really 
uh, plague you with a lot of heaviness if you think, oh, my loved one is not in heaven. And I, I found that with people I, I, I pray and say, Lord, I just want that person to be in glory. The, the opportunity is, is over because they're not alive anymore. But uh, still, we want to see and we want to know um, that okay, this this is right. I remember a story I heard about Josh McDowell. He was wondering about his mother, and he was on a, a pier somewhere in California, and he was praying, God, I just this is plaguing my heart. I just want to know. And he sees this lady at this pier in California. He grew up uh, Michigan or something like that. So he's far away from his from his upbringing. Sees this lady on a pier there in California, they start talking. This lady knew his mother. And this lady said, well, I was with your mother when she went to a revival when she was younger. And she she went forward. We both went forward, I think, if I remember the story correctly, and uh, gave our lives to Christ. And so that prayer that, that Josh had prayed, God, would you please show me, give me Give me, uh, just as the scripture says, show me a sign for good. And, and God gave him that. And he gave, drew that lady to him and just in some miraculous way, boom. Yeah, I was with your mother. I know that she prayed to receive Christ. But that doesn't happen very often. Most of the time we're just left with, okay, Second Timothy 2.19, the Lord knows those who are his and we rest in that. Because the, Jesus is a Savior. He will save anybody who will turn to him in repentance and faith. I still remember as my dad was dying, he wasn't communicating anymore. I was just whispering into his ear because as they say, you know, that hearing is the last thing to go. And I said, Dad, as you get close, if you, if you get afraid, you just cry out to the Lord. I said, if you've never done that, you do that now. You cry out to the Lord, ask him for his mercy and grace, and, and surrender yourself to him. And um, because I, I do believe that Jesus will respond to anyone, whosoever will may come, and whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord in repentance and humility and faith, that person will be saved. Yeah, that's a that's such an awesome promise. And it's, it's so wonderful to think— um, like I knew this with my parents, it's like I, I knew that I knew that I knew where they were going to be. And so I remember singing around my, my mom's hospital bed. There were several of us there, and we sang that hymn, Blessed Assurance, that Jesus is mine. And it was so wonderful to be able to know that. And I know that um, there are different people that pass through our lives, and we, we can't have that assurance. And that's why it's so important that we do our part to share Christ with those people so that we we know at the end of the day, hey, they at least had opportunity, and I know they had opportunity because I'm the one who spoke with them about it. Right. You know, and um, I remember doing that with, with your dad, that I, I wrote him a letter, you know, just kind of talking about how— I had been always scared to die, and, and then how I came to know the Lord and had the assurance that I was going to spend eternity with Him and that He could know that as well. And um, I, I know later He never talked to me about that letter, but your mom did. Your mm -hmm. mom talked to me about the fact that, that your dad treasured that letter, that he had read that and read that and read that and read that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And so just the importance of, of, again, going back to what we started the top of this broadcast with, making our lives count making them count for the Lord to bring other people into the kingdom. 
Mm-hmm. I was thinking too, I was listening to a sermon uh, preparing myself for Good Friday and for Easter, and it was it was from John MacArthur, and he said that, uh, you know, Jesus did not die a martyr's death. You know, we read about the people that die for Christ. They were burned at the stake or they are put in the Colosseum and eaten by animals, you know, in Rome and all that. He said, uh, that's not the way Jesus died. He said, Jesus died a sinner's death. He didn't die a martyr's death because a martyr has the presence of the Lord there to see them through. And we read about uh, different ones who are being burned at the stake and they're singing hymns, Polycarp uh, singing hymns and, and praising God as the flames leaped up upon him because the Lord's presence is there. Jesus, as he's dying on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he's taking on the sins of the whole world and uh, God can't have fellowship with sin and the presence of the Lord is not gonna be there uh, when Jesus is dying on the cross for our sins. And so it really puts things into perspective. The price that was paid to ransom and purchase and redeem you and me And uh, as we think about what Jesus did, it's just overwhelming. Uh, Amazing love, the song says, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That separation, I remember having a a feeling, a, a touch of that when I was at a really deep, desperate pit part of my life and calling out to the Lord and, and just the, um, the feeling of just complete aloneness that I felt when I felt that I was that separated from him just because of stupid decisions that I had made. And so I was never completely separated, but Jesus was. And I think, oh my goodness, you know, I just remember the depth of just despair that I felt feeling that I was so completely separated from the Lord. It was such a horrible, horrible feeling. Again, in God's mercy, he let me feel that because that's what brought a turnaround in my life. Um, But again, just the magnitude of that gift that Christ gave us and provided for us. Well, I think about my own salvation. How did I come to Christ? The Lord revealed to me, Jeff, if you died, you wouldn't go to heaven. You have no basis to go to heaven. Because heaven is not something you earn by being, quote unquote, a good person. It's, by, it's something that you receive when you recognize, I'm a sinner and I deserve death and hell. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, I'm with Debbie. We're talking about uh, the taboo subject of death. We're going to be taking your calls in this next segment. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. You're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. When you hear this, 
This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us. Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity. The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, uh, but you know, everything will stay here. And I'm so thankful for for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund where we can give some to something that we so highly value. Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association. I cannot uh, recommend a a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund It was so easy. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. You're listening to Real Truth for today. And we're talking about the subject, the taboo subject of death, Uh, how to prepare for death, how to minister to those as they're uh, on their deathbeds, and uh, how to just uh, know that when the Lord, uh, when we meet him face to face, we meet him with confidence and we don't shrink back in shame it is coming we're taking your calls the number to call is 1-888-589-8840 that's 1-888-589-8840 we have chris on the line from texas chris welcome to real truth for today yes hi hi Hi. um hi yeah i have a question for you um i was brought up like you catholic um, at, as I got older, at the age of 35, a friend invited me to a Bible study, and we did Romans. And on Romans 6.23, I realized it's through the grace of God that I am saved and not by a sacrament. Um, but then when my mother passed away, um, I was a new Christian, and I tried my best to talk to her, and I even took a little track with me on her deathbed to say, it's Jesus, it's we're all sinners, 
we all need to repent, but she had passed away. And I never really truly knew if she went to heaven because she felt she would go to purgatory. And I had to go to counseling. And a friend, I mean, what would you tell somebody? But a friend told me maybe somebody told her along the way about Christ is the way and not a sacrament and an oil. So what, would, what do you tell people who were brought up Catholic and have relatives who are dying in that faith? What do we tell them? How do we console our? How can we be consoled? Yes, a very, very good question, Chris. And um, I, I've had, uh, you know, loved ones, aunts and, and other family members, un- uncles, things like that, that uh, were clinging to ritual and, and their religion, quote unquote religion, um, that pass away. I just re- return to that verse in Second Timothy two nineteen. The Lord knows those who are His, and and Jesus is a Savior and He's a Redeemer. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He wants to save people more than even people want to be saved, if that is uh, possible. I mean, He wanted to save me more than I wanted to be saved, and I wanted to be saved. So I think I just rest in that that God's ways are right concerning everything. And that um, our loved ones, if they responded to the Lord, he responded to them. And if they didn't respond to the Lord, we just leave that with him. He knows, he cares, and uh, he has grace to help us in our time of need. And we can just rest in the fact that God is in control of this. I'm not in control of this. I can't make it happen uh, the way I want it to happen. And so I just rest in the fact that the Lord knows those who are his, and the Lord protects and redeems and takes to heaven those who are his. And so, um, so I just rest in that. But I, I it's a, it, go ahead, Chris, I'm sorry. No, I appreciate that, yes, because I, I think that's something a lot of people who are believers to look back on the faith they had come from and to see a loved one die in that. I even had a brother um, who told me when I die, he's going to get a priest in there to anoint me with oils. And I said, no, I don't need that. I know where I'm going, you know? So right. um, it's a question I think a lot of people may be asking, how are we assured that we're going to heaven? Yeah, and you know the the whole idea about purgatory is uh, it's such an attack on the cross because why would it's saying that Jesus what he did on the cross is not sufficient? So I have to go to some intermediate place that's that's kind of like a you know some type of hell holding cell. Yeah, but it's a place of torment Mm -hmm. so I can pay for my sins. And so then I can be purified to be able to go to heaven. The cross does all that. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. And so uh, sadly, the Catholic Church, there are many, many Christians in the Catholic Church, uh, but the Catholic Church as a whole really teaches people it's a work salvation. It's what Jesus did on the cross, plus your good works equal salvation, and your good works are never quite enough, so you have to go to a place called purgatory. I remember Chris talking to a friend of mine in college, and I asked him the question, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? He said, no, I don't, and you don't either. Nobody does. That's something that can't be known until you die, and I said, well, John knew, 1 John chapter 5, he who has the Son has the life. He does not have the Son of God, does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. 
So we can know an eternal life is in a person. His name is Jesus. And when we give our life to him, we are secure in him. Chris, thank you so much for calling today, and and I'm excited about your faith. May God use you uh, to be a witness and to point the way to Jesus. Well, we're taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840, 1-888-589-8840. You know, when we talk about deathbed conversions, uh, the Bible speaks of that. Uh, the thief on the cross is definitely... Uh, a quote-unquote deathbed conversion. But here's something I heard said years and years ago. I've never forgotten it in a sermon. Are deathbed conversions real? Yes, they are. But they're also rare. Uh, there, uh, There's one guy in the Bible that had a deathbed conversion, and that was the thief on the cross. Um, so people normally die just the way they live. And if they live for sin and self, it doesn't normally happen that all of a sudden at the, at the end they're ready to turn their heart to Christ. Um, we would think that, but uh, that's... Or they have the wherewithal. They may not have the wherewithal to do that. Yeah, they may not. And, uh, and so we would hope, hey, you're getting ready to face death. That's what the thief on the cross that was repentant said to his partner in crime. Hey, don't you fear God? I mean, we're getting ready to die, and you're hurling abuse at, at this one who is uh, the man in the middle. And uh, you don't seem to have much fear of death, and you need to have a fear of death. But he didn't. And uh, he was getting ready to die and go to hell. And uh, he, he wasn't uh, slightly in the slightest repentant as his friend, the thief on the other side, was. And so people live primarily uh, or die primarily the same way they lived. And it's, it's a sad deal when uh, someone slips away without knowing Jesus. Well, we're taking your calls, one 589 And we have Jeannie on the line, Jeannie from Texas. Welcome to the, bro- to, morning, to the program. Yes, good morning. Yes, I was just making uh, an observation. Uh, we have to, as Christians, stop criticizing each other in our particular uh, faith. God, like you said, knows who belongs to him and who doesn't. And even uh, Jesus' body was prepared for burial by the sister or the, the woman that bathed him in, uh, in perfume and everything. I truly believe that when, come, when Jesus returns, he will unite us. He will not. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says that just because you believed in a certain way or certain things, that you're not going to go to heaven. It is, if you belong to Christ, your life, if you gave it to Christ, that's what makes you. I, we've got to, as Christians, stop criticizing each other. Ultimately, we will receive our reward in heaven. And Catholic people do not believe in acts that are going to uh, believe, uh, give them salvation. They believe that they are hands, the hands and mouth and eyes of of Christ. That's why we have to be good and we have to do things that help other people. It is not through work that... Yes. Well, you know, regardless of whether you're Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Pentecostal, 
you're saved by faith in Christ alone. Uh, It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. And I know that there are many Catholics who have faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I grew up going to church, Catholic church, and for me, it was always about do better. You need to be good. You need to uh, to kind of earn your way. It's faith plus works, and that's just not true. Now that that's not you know maybe that wasn't your experience. That was my experience, and many many that I've talked to that have grown up that way. That was also their experience. And when you understand what grace is, that it it's nothing of what I do. It's everything that what he does. Then. Th- the uh, experience of being born again comes to be real. That was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was, Judaism is all about works. And Nicodemus was steeped in Judaism. And Jesus said to him, uh, you must be born again. If you're not born again, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You're not even going to see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So I appreciate your call, Jeannie. God bless you. And may God use you in great ways. We have Peggy from Kentucky. Peggy, you're on the line. This is Real Truth for Today. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. I had the privilege of being with my mother when she passed away, and I believe I saw her soul raise out of her body. Is that possible? Uh, well, I mean, it it did uh, whether you could see that, I would, I would probably say there's there's nothing in Scripture that says you'd be able to see that. But but obviously, when she died, her her soul her soul did leave her body, and and uh, she was a believer. Yes. Yes. So her and soul would have her left. Soul raise, I saw her soul raise up. Yeah. Uh, hard to say on that one. Um, you know, what you saw, the Bible typically doesn't, or there's nowhere in scripture that says anything about that, that we can see that because the soul is not, it's not something that is visible. Uh, it's an invisible part of us. I do think you can sense that for sure. Right. You know, I know that when my, when my mom passed away, I immediately knew that her soul was not there anymore. I didn't necessarily see it raise up out of her body, but I knew I could you could tell the difference immediately that her soul was no longer there. It was just a bodysuit that was that was laying there in that bed. Right. And and the scripture makes it clear absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the body without the spirit is dead, James tells us. Uh, just like faith without works is dead. Um, and so when the when the Lord calls us to himself. We leave our earthly body, our earthly body dies, and we go to be with him. And so um, what a comfort, though, for you, Peggy, to to see that mm-hmm. in God giving you that experience where you saw, hey, my mom went to be with the Lord. And, uh, and he allowed me, in, in your situation, he allowed me to, to see her depart. So... Thank you so much for calling. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. Well, we've been talking about the taboo subject of death, but death is a a subject that uh, is so critical and so important because the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth, and a house full of mourning is better than a house full of feasting because the living 
takes it to heart. This is the end of every man. I share that scripture at uh, funerals. And, uh, you know, funeral is not for the deceased, it's for the living. And we, we recognize and we eulogize the person who passed away. And we uh, hopefully, by God's grace, provide comfort for those who are left behind. But then we speak to people about, hey, you know, this is coming for you too. And one day you're going to be in this box. And what's going to happen then? I heard one time, and I think this is such, such a really cool thing to think about, but it was this question, how would you live this day differently if you knew this was your last day? How would you live it differently? What would you do differently? How would you, what things would you say to your loved ones? Who would you witness to? Who would you share Christ with? What kind of things would fill your day if you knew that this was your last day? Mm-hmm. And that that's, uh, you know, we're called to live that way as each day could potentially be our last day. And um, that's that's just kind of a very interesting way to view life if we could discipline ourselves to do that. Right. Psalm 90, ver- 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom and to know that, hey, I don't have the promise of tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. To- tomorrow may never come. All I have is today. And Today we choose to, this is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice. We choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I heard uh, in a sermon when I was in college these words, we are to live as believers as if Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back tonight. Keep the death, burial, and resurrection and return of Christ so near and dear to your heart that uh, it just dominates your thinking because we are here for one main reason, and that is to be his witnesses, to witness uh, to a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. Thanks so much for being with us today. And so this is Pastor Jeff Shree, Real Truth for Today. We'll be with you again tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great day.